No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Solomon's reign brings glory days to Israel. The nation prospers and is at peace, and God gives Solomon world-renowned wisdom. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 4 on Simply the Bible. Peace and prosperity are better than war and poverty. Wouldn't you agree? God promised His people that if they would love Him with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind and keep His commandments, then they would enjoy peace and prosperity. And that is certainly what they experienced under the reign of King Solomon. We continue in 1 Kings 4.20. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's domain stretched from the Euphrates River on the east and north to the land of the Philistines on the west and Egypt to the southwest. This land had been gained by David through warfare, and Solomon now reigned over it. Many nations brought tribute to Israel during his days. The key to prosperity is to love God and keep his commandments. Isaiah 48:17 says, "Thus says the Lord your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go." How prosperity looks varies with everyone. For some, it is material. For others, it is physical, for they are blessed with good health and vitality. But the greatest kind of prosperity is spiritual, for it is peace, joy, and everlasting life. When God blesses us, He also gives us the capacity to enjoy what we have received from His hand, whether little or much. The greatest prosperity is godliness with contentment, which is great gain. Verse 22. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, and 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. With 1,000 wives, thousands of temple construction workers, many advisors in the king's court, a multitude of servants, and many visitors. Solomon had a bunch of mouths to feed. The daily amount required was 150 bushels of choice flour, 300 bushels of meal, 10 oxen from the fattening pens, 20 grass-fed cattle, 100 sheep along with deer, gazelles, roebucks, and poultry. Solomon ran a very expensive operation, to say the least. But times were good, and food was plentiful 
under Solomon's reign. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river from Tifsa even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on every side all around him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had dominion over all the kings south and west of the Euphrates River. The phrase that each man dwelt under his own vine and fig tree is figurative for peace and prosperity. There was no one to oppress them or to make them afraid. Their crops yielded their fruit in their season, and they would harvest it for themselves and their families. Unlike former times in Israel, where their enemies came and took whatever they had grown. And it was like this throughout the entire nation. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And these governors, each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. So there were 12 governors from 12 different regions who were responsible to supply all of Solomon's needs for one month out of the year. In verse 26, some Hebrew manuscripts and 2 Chronicles 9.25 put the number of stalls for horses at 4,000 rather than 40,000. So it is thought this may have been a copyist error. My wife and I recently traveled to Israel for the first time. We went to Tel Megiddo, a mount and fortress that overlooks the Jezreel Valley. That's the site of many historical battles and the future site of the Battle of Armageddon. Now, they have uncovered the stalls and feeding troughs of many of Solomon's horses. And there were several such sites in Israel. The governors also had to bring feed for the horses. Verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. Then Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon is identified with wisdom. But what is wisdom anyway? Here's the short answer. Wisdom is the ability to live successfully. Solomon was a master at this, for God blessed him with the understanding heart that he had requested. 
these verses testify that God made good on his promise. He gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. He also gave him largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Now that is something that I would like to possess more of. I would like the Lord to enlarge my heart with his mercy, grace, and compassion. It's so easy for me to become selfish. But I pray that God would fill my heart to overflowing with his generosity, his love. There are so many broken people who need to experience God's love flowing through his people. So Lord, make it so. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the famously wise people of the East and Egypt. When I was growing up, I remembered that the Beatles went to India to sit at the feet of the Maharashi Mahesh Yogi to learn the wisdom of the East. But no one could compare to the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, of which we have fewer than 600. He wrote 1,005 songs, but we only have the Song of Solomon. He was a botanist, zoologist, and entomologist. He was a great forerunner in the natural sciences. And the rich, the powerful, the famous throughout the world came to hear Solomon's wisdom. However, the tragic thing is that the wisest person who ever lived did not live wisely in his later years. As we shall see, his foreign wives would turn him away from the worship of the Lord to go after idols. True wisdom is not what we know, but what we apply. It's applying the truth that we know. There is a deception in growing in knowledge without also growing in obedience to that knowledge. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I hope that if you are listening to this program, and certainly if you're listening to it with any regularity, that you're listening to it with the desire to put into practice what you hear. Jesus said that we will be judged by the amount of light we have received. And we who are in this country who have been exposed to much of the word of God are going to have much to give an account for. Luke 12, 48 says, For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Now I think of Solomon because Solomon certainly was without excuse for not following the words of God. He certainly had the wisdom, he knew it, but he didn't choose to walk in it towards the end of his life. So we need to live out the wisdom we have received. And that is how we live life successfully. Now, I will just say one last thing on this subject. For there are many people who have difficulty understanding how it can be that someone who has been very gifted can write things and then not live what they're supposed to live. And they sort of go off the tracks. And then we wonder, well, should we just throw out everything they've written, whether it's books or sermons that they've preached or songs they have written or whatever? Uh, do we just throw it out? And I believe that we see here 
from the example of Solomon that someone can bear witness to the truth and yet not live in that truth. We must understand that the message someone delivers surpasses the actual life of the person. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, and many times that can stumble people when they see somebody who has been mightily used of God and yet is not living up to what they know they should be doing. But thank God that he has provided a way for sinners like us to be justified, even though we have all failed to do the good we know we ought to do. In Acts 13.38, the Apostle Paul was preaching to the people at Pisidian Antioch, and he said, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, that is, Jesus Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. We're never going to get to heaven because we've kept all the laws because none of us have. Not because we've kept all of the wisdom because none of us have. We will get to heaven because we believe in Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross and who has justified us as we have trusted in him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Solomon makes an agreement with King Hiram of Tyre to procure timber from Lebanon. Solomon raises up a labor force to prepare the timber and cut stones. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible.